today's podcast, Pat Mahomes without Tyree Kill looks a lot like Patrick Mahomes with Tyree Kill. We'll talk about that, the Ravens' decision, the Bills' win, sort of a Philly power rankings soft open, don't really do it, and one quarterback who's just not working out. And Trent Dilfer on all those topics, uh, including some discussion about analytics and also what he thought of some of the younger quarterbacks. We get a lot of stuff from Trent. It's always really good. And life advice, including one I think we all at the end gave zero advice on. Maybe didn't think the email's fake, but just it was entertaining enough. We didn't know what to do with it. So there you go. It's Ryan Rosillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I want to start recapping a little of week four uh, just by... Asking a question again that we asked a lot before the season gets started. And that was, what would the Chiefs look like without Tyreek Hill? Well, the early returns are really good. Uh, last night, you know, there are certain games, and I don't know that it meant as much for Tampa at home as it did for Kansas City to go on the road. And, you know, the final score, you can play with that weeks removed. You're like, oh, that was kind of a competitive game. And yeah, maybe if Tampa doesn't start by immediately giving the Chiefs an early touchdown, and next thing you know, you look up, it's 21 nothing. Um, maybe that game could have gone a, a, a different way. Tampa threw it a million times. That was a record for Brady pass attempts in a row in a game uh, over his entire career, which is saying something because the guy's been playing for a long time. But when you look at the Chiefs' offense, you can look at the Mahomes part of this. He's number one in QBR, although QBR can always be a difficult dance because you'll be like, man, the guy I like is high in QBR. And you're like, oh, the guy I don't like is also really high in QBR. But when you start adding up all the things he's got, He's tied for the most touchdowns, only two picks. Uh, he's only been sacked five times for the quarterbacks that have actually played the majority of the games, right? Uh, five is pretty much on the lower end. I think the only one lower than that is four. There's some guys that don't play as much and obviously are lower. Uh, he's number one in quarterback expected points added. Six different players have a touchdown. And when you watch it, right, the real simple part of this is when you watch it, it doesn't look any different. Uh, maybe the part where you're going to take a couple shots with Hill once a quarter. Uh, maybe the part where the underneath throws are there. And that was kind of the weird thing for Mahomes at the beginning of last year. And what was what was going on? It was like, how come he's not taking what he's being given? Why is he forcing it to Hill? There was even some thoughts that maybe they would move on from Hill to force him to adjust to the way he was going to be defended. I think it's pretty simple. They didn't want to pay Hill what Hill was going to get paid. And he got that money with Miami. So he also was turning the football over a lot more than he normally would at the beginning half of last season. And some of them were very fluky. Like, there's some guys that just can't help themselves. They're turning the ball over all the time, and they are later called backups. Um, but for Mahomes, 
you know, even though there was a few, like we expect so much of some of these guys that are the very top of the game, but it was very weird that there seems to be, there seems to be this collection of, of just doubters for who Kansas City could be, whether it was James Jones on with us, picking him to be last, Bart Scott writing him off as many po- many, many times as he possibly could. Uh, the offense, statistically, is the same offense with Hill after a month. The difference is this front office also deserves a ton of credit revamping this entire defensive unit. You know, they brought back less than 50% of the players that played snaps from last year. There's younger guys all over the place. Um, you know, different isn't always better but they've had been on a really bad trend. Uh, and and the things that they've needed to fix, it's pretty remarkable how good of a job this team does with it. They needed to fix the old line after the Tampa Super Bowl. That was a mess. They fixed it. They needed to fix the defense after a pattern of three of the last four years just not being acceptable and Mahomes being good enough to carry it. Any team that had this kind of bad defense and early returns a month in, again, some of these teams are going to get hurt and they're going to be bad on defense again because they just don't have the bodies and have depth. But for Kansas City, I think the whole thing has been really really impressive. Um, and, and all the AFC West talk, do you really want to pick a different team other than them now? A month into this, I mean, I guess you could still hang on to the Chargers part of it. I, too, love the Chargers' talent. Stop me if you've heard that one before. They're 2-2. Two and two. Maybe it's not that big of a deal, but the Chargers have already had games what, two weeks ago where it felt like all their best players were missing from the game. I feel like the Chargers, if you go back 20 years, They've probably had the most games missed of their best players. That's just, don't know if it's true or not, just saying it out loud. But if you're looking at the other teams, Vegas finally getting a win in Denver, Vegas getting that win against Denver, you really want to start (laughs) thinking that Kansas City wouldn't finish ahead of those teams? That seems impossible right now in a sport that can be really different month to month. Denver has two wins. It was funny because as that game got kicked off, the announcer was like, well, the offense isn't what you'd want but they're winning games. <laughs> well, they beat Houston, who may be one of the three worst teams in the league, and they beat San Francisco by scoring 11 points. So, no, Denver's got serious problems, and Vegas was able to beat them yesterday. So the AFC West, it's Kansas City's division. It's their division again. But I don't know. Maybe there's something else with the Mahomes thing, too, because there was a local columnist, and I don't know enough about every city's local columnists and who – who were the people that was basically like, he's a good quarterback, but dot, dot, dot. It was all these other things. And all I could think of is if it's, I, you know, again, I don't know the answer to this, but there's certain columnists that I grew up with that if they were to do the ultimate zag on the local guy, I'd be like, oh, you know, he's, he's just doing what a columnist does. You know, that's what people used to do before they were on television. They would just go, ah, all right, nobody said shit about me for like eight months and I'm a columnist. I'm just going to have to stoke the fire with something. Uh, Mahomes. Okay, you know, I, I, I guess, <laughs> like, can his brother be that annoying that we're going to start pretending that Patrick is an awesome at quarterback? That would be, that would seem to be a reach. And on top of everything else, his contract, he could have made more. Look at the guaranteed money that's flown around for quarterbacks that aren't nearly as good as him. I still can't believe the Kyler Murray guaranteed number. I can't believe that number. Um, it was the second most ever until a more recent deal was done. So with Mahomes, and I don't expect that the team is going to use a contract that he signed long-term as leverage against him later on. You're like, oh, we have you. That's usually not how it works with quarterbacks. I don't think they're going to use it as leverage to keep his salary number down. But, I mean, this guy does everything. He does everything you could possibly want. And I was, I was just surprised that people were willing to kind of move on. Not all, 
but enough people that are real that have platforms that were willing to move on from somebody because Tyree Kill wasn't around. Keeping it moving here. So does that mean that Kansas City is now closer to Buffalo than we thought after a month? Buffalo was in danger going two and two here. Difference being that when they lost to Miami, it felt real fluky because it was something that we hadn't seen since what? What it was three times since 1939, a team had run that few plays and still won a football game. So there was all sorts of outliers in that Miami game, but credit to Miami's defense was on the field for 41 minutes and still found a way to keep Buffalo out of the end zone. So if Buffalo had been two and two, the classic reaction to that would have been everybody's preseason darlings, everybody's darlings the first two weeks because they smashed the Rams. They smashed Tennessee. That was 41-7. to I'm, I'm watching them lose to Baltimore going, wait, isn't everybody supposed to score in Baltimore? And that wasn't really the case. So it felt like Baltimore's defense had turned itself around. Lamar, who was Offensive Player of the Month for the AFC, who has been terrific. Uh, and then it comes down to Harbaugh not wanting to go for the game-winning field goal because he wanted seven. Uh, Lamar gets picked off in the end zone. Two great plays, one by the edge to keep Lamar a little more contained in this game. I thought Buffalo did a better job than I've seen other teams do it. And then getting some of that secondary back for Buffalo and Poyer with another pick back there. Just a couple nice plays. Poyer reading that one to the corner and then Buffalo moves it down for the game-winning field goal and plays the clock the right way. But it's still, you know, one loss record. I don't get too worked up about it when I was doing power rankings of radio. If we do it now, you know, would I still have Buffalo one? Yeah, probably. But I'd have Kansas City a lot closer to them. Would I have Kansas City over Philly? Yeah, I think that I would. I mean, Philly's defense and what they've done to some of these teams and them destroying Minnesota, who, by the way, is three and one, which could be really easy to forget because you're like, oh, that's right, cousin. Somebody likes them. Remember when they played Philly? It was a mess. They couldn't defend. The receivers are wide open the entire game. You're like, yeah, look at the standings. Look where they're at right now. But as we know, the primetime game, when you suck in the primetime game, that last it lingers a lot longer. So it feels like Philly would be third if I'm kind of doing power rankings here on the fly. Uh, I'd have Buffalo, I'd have KC. I know most people would have Philly one because they're undefeated. That's not how it works here. The defense is terrific. It's the number three defense in opposing yards per play. Uh, it was number three behind San Francisco and Buffalo in that stat. Also number three behind San Francisco and Buffalo in the DVOA stuff, some of the adjusted stuff. Um, and that Jags win, as much as I point to Philly's schedule, as I will all season, is a reminder of let's got get too carried away as if they're the prohibitive. Like when somebody says Philly's the best team in the NFL, we'll ask Dill for this. I'm a little hesitant to go that far with it, probably because I just don't think of Hurts as the same as some of the other top quarterbacks, which is totally fair. Uh, but they're going to be favored in every single game. Well, based on who they are right now, they're going to be they're, the models show that they'd be favored every single game remaining. But they're down 14 nothing to a Jacksonville team that it felt like all of us had kind of had this coming out party for this moment of, hey, like Jacksonville's good. Go watch Jacksonville. And after being down a couple touchdowns, it was all Philly. So I'd have them third. Uh, I don't know what you do with the Rams. A little bit of a hangover there. And even though Tampa gave up a million points, I still think Tampa's defense is going to be good. Uh, they have been the previous three games other than Kansas City. Last night was a mess, uh, and I'm not going to doubt Tom Brady. The other thing with Tampa, too, is with uh, not the defense. Uh, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, and Evans have played together for 27 plays in four games. So you'd expect that to change. Of course, Bray went down. Uh, it was pretty clear he was banged up, their tight end, out of the game. He did come back in. Uh, last thing here. I watched another full Arizona game. I don't know why I keep doing this, um, but I did. And 
you know, they win, they pull it out. It's 10, 10 for much of the game. Baker. This isn't working. This isn't working. Like I'm starting to get Sam Darnold updates on this high ankle sprain where he's going to be cleared, but not, he's going to be technically cleared to play, but he's not going to play because the ankle injury is still a problem for him. And it gets back to what we talked about before the season started, and that is who are the first-round quarterbacks that change teams and how how often is that successful? Over a 10-year span of first-round draft picks at the quarterback position, we found 25 of them. Five were no doubt franchise-changing players. Five were total flameouts. And then there were 15 quarterbacks that got legitimate starts for multiple seasons and then ended up somewhere else, and almost none of them worked out. Tannehill's like the only success story. Jameis Winston, I was open to it because he had gotten hurt when he went to New Orleans. I'm still not sure that that's even accurate. Baker has been a disaster with Carolina. The offensive game that they gave you yesterday, based on some stats, could you could argue that that's the single worst offensive output of any team in any game so far this NFL season. So Baker is actually following along with what has happened historically. Big-time player, gets drafted high, team takes him, moves on. The next team's like, hey, that guy went really high. We kind of liked him. That team's stupid. Look what they did with their coaching staff. We'll fix him. Or, you know, there's another version of it. It's like, hey, it's worth a flyer. We don't really have that many options. We just did it with Darnold, which is the exact same model. Um, We might be getting rid of our coach. It sucks, too, for the coaches that are going to get fired. They shouldn't be allowed to wear those camo hats on the sideline. If you're going to win that camo hat, or wear that, you gotta, you got to win, is the point. When you lose, it feels like the loss is like more than just a regular loss. It feels like an extra loss, because then you got to walk over with this weird camo promotional hat, which, you know, looks good on Brady, doesn't look as good on Matt Rule. That's science. But yeah, the Baker thing, uh, not working out, and actually kind of following along with everything that we had talked about in the past. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate, hate, is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season, throw in a little something extra, an appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Trent Dilfer here with us on a Monday as he always is. Okay. I started by talking about Mahomes, no Tyreek Hill. I think people were really worried about it. I guess there's just a certain level of quarterbacks where I guess I'm never going to worry about anything. And I think Mahomes has proven that the first month in. I think that's fair. Um, there are just certain guys, it doesn't matter what they have, doesn't matter if they drop balls, if you can protect them. Now, I will say that if you can't protect them, now they're going to play too frenetic and they're eventually going to lose trust and they're going to turn the ball over and, and not be as efficient. But 
who their skill position guys are, I think as long as you have a triangle, and this is something I don't think we ever talked about this on the show before. If you go back and study, of which I have, all these great play callers, all these great offenses, whether it's greatest show on turf, Holmgren's Green Bay Packers, Walsh's Niners, um, Brady's Patriots. Um, I would put the modern day Chiefs in there. I think the Bills are doing a good job with it now. Um, you st- and there's way more, but you start studying these and you you kind of see this triangle. And the triangle is obviously the top of it's the quarterback. Uh, there has to be a guy that eats up the middle of the field. That could be a running back. If you're the old school ball control, like slam down people's throat and control the middle of the field like that. I think it's more the modern day tight end, right? The tight end that kind of controls the space and the guy that controls the perimeter. If you have that, you have, you know, a weapon on the outside that can control the perimeter, a person in the inside that can control the middle and the quarterback running the show. There's a lot of cool stuff if you're a creative play caller that you can do to make that triangle work. Uh, you can add a Johnny, just meaning an average player, um, a Jag, just another guy. You can add a Jag with a perimeter guy and a middle of field dominator, and he's still dangerous because he's an NFL player. So that's a supplemental player. Um, what the Chiefs have done, which I really like, is and they have Andy, you know, making these plays. I'm sure Patrick has some some say in that too is they're giving you all this window dressing. They're giving you all this eye candy on every play before they just get to a basic triangle play. And they're going to identify the matchup on the perimeter they like, whether it's Juju, whether it's somebody else. They're going to use Kelsey as the primary point. And then Mahomes is going to use a jag, just another guy, uh, to kind of open one of those two guys up. And that's what you see over and over and over. And it's a really effective way of running offense. I also like they can beat you a lot of ways. They can play multiple tight ends like we played a few weeks, talked about a few weeks ago. They have two good backs. They really like this new back. Is it Pacheco? Is that his name? Yeah. Yep. They showcased last night. Um, so let's not ever forget, running football is a really powerful thing in the league. People don't like to talk about it because it's not sexy. Um, but their ability to increase their volume of carries and still do this triangle type offense is a big deal. And that's why they're going to be in the conversation until the end. Okay. What's it like? Cause I, I like watching, you know, we saw some stuff with B enemy a couple of weeks ago, might've been just two weeks ago. And it was just as simple as like a disagreement on how much time they had left or whatever. And then Andy and Mahomes were kind of going over the play chart. Maybe I'm making it out to be more than it actually is. Maybe it's something that's really simple. But but what are those those moments like in a game when it's right? When it's you and it's the play caller and you're going over stuff and you're like, all right, the ball's moving. The plays that you kind of have in your head, like what is that like when it's awesome? When the quarterback and the play caller are just totally aligned and you're having the kind of night those guys were having last night? Well, I'm not going to be self-deprecating here. I'm going to be truthful. I had very few of those moments. Okay. So okay. Um, now I had them in college and I, I will remember, and I had one of the great college coaches of all time and Jeff Tedford. I was his first, first, first round quarterback. I had moments of this with Kavanaugh in Baltimore when I first took over. Uh, moments of this with Holmgren in, in Seattle before I got hurt. Um, and honestly, I didn't play very well in San Francisco, but I had a great guy. Frank Signetti, who I had some moments like this. And it is it is euphoric. It is when you're synergistic with your play caller and how they're attacking and, and how it's articulated was, I'm thinking of a play and the next thing I hear in my ear, I get that play. 
Like now, you know, he's, Drew Brees and Peyton were the two best I'd ever seen that. Like you could just see Drew nodding like, yes, okay, that's what I was thinking too. Um, that synergy is, is amazing. Uh, it takes a ton of work. I mean, it takes so much lonely work behind the scenes to get to that point. Now, I've talked to some of these guys since I've retired um, that have had these relationships with their play callers. And they talk about the work. They talk about all the mental gymnastics you go through during the week to get to that point. Uh, usually the play callers, and, and Chris Collinsworth made a great point last night that it was just kind of a drive-by, but it was the best comment I made all night. He talked about Andy always teaches them the why. He was he was talking about Wednesdays, red zone days, and the install days. And he says, you know, Andy gives them the why. I think he was giving it, he was talking to Juju Smith, and Juju Smith Schuster was explaining to Chris what makes Andy so different. I've heard that as a common theme that the greatest play callers, the guys that have that relationship with their quarterbacks are why guys. They don't just say, hey, do this because we worked all weekend on finding this play. They're going to give you, I was watching this piece of film. I saw him in this front. I went back and I studied this front matches, this coverage, this hash, this personnel grouping. Man, we can get into this personnel grouping, shift here, get them in this front. They're weak in the weak side flat. We can run this and you're going to have this opportunity to uh, you know, work Kelsey on the stutter route the jerk route inside if they jump that you're gonna have juju right behind it it's gonna be an easy one two something goes haywire i'm wrong you got a safety net piece of cheese backside take the hitch now the quarterback goes ding 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 i got it that makes perfect sense thanks for working so hard on that uh play caller comes in midweek he's like man i was just studying their third and short stuff uh watch their left defensive end when he changes from that you know, four I to a five, it means this. That means that backer does this. And what you immediately just get to check this, get to your verticals out of your bunch set. And you're going to have this tight end running on this backer with this back turn. Oh my gosh, great. You just found me a explosive out of third and two. Uh, and so that why piece of it, I think is the most important piece that most analysts are going to talk about. It's that's what gets you to the point to run these incredible things on Sunday night football, Monday night football, Sunday afternoon, whatever it is. And you're like, how did they know that? Well, that goes back to their first meeting on Monday when they're just starting to put in the game plan that Tuesday afternoon, which is the day off and the quarterbacks in the film room, just grinding out tape and the coordinator runs and all excited. Like, Oh my gosh, I just found this. We, Hey, look at this for me. Make sure we're on the same page and let's move forward with this this week. Um, It's euphoric when you get to that point. And that's why you'll see, like, when everybody kind of knows where they go, all right. I mean, it's, this can sound stupid um, because I'm just somebody observing it, but you're at home and you're like, oh, they got their guy, they got their playmaker on a linebacker. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, but the whole point of the excitement is, yeah, I can't believe we finally got him in this alignment because it's just that hard. Like, you might not get it the entire afternoon because they did a good job of protecting themselves, but then there'll just be this moment where, like, I can't believe you allowed yourself to get into this kind of coverage. And then it happens, and it's actually pretty rare, though. Like, you're waiting for it, you're waiting for I imagine those are those moments, too, where where you may think you have that option and you don't want to use it until later anyway. Well, let me, let me pivot because I, I do think the audience would enjoy this. There's two ways of doing it. Um, and then I'll get back to saving something. Remind me to get back to if you're going to save it. Um, there is the coordinator-driven matchup offense. 
uh, or coach driven. Let's call it coach driven because it takes an army of coaches to get to this point. Uh, my opinion, it's the best way of doing it because you can do it with multiple quarterbacks. Okay. So if your guy gets hurt, you're not beholden to the quarterback. Um, you spend relentless amounts of hours watching tape, going back, identifying the defensive rules. Uh, and really that's the key to offensive coaching is knowing the defensive rules, what their rules are. Cause defensive guys are going to, their alignment assignment rules and effort, you know, that's defensive football. So you find out their rules, you spend tons of time watching tape, you learn how to teach, you give the why, and then you give the quarterbacks the, all the answers to the test before the game comes up. And you trust him that he studied hard, he knows the answers, and boom, there you go. The second way is the way Peyton did it for years. And that is very few, very little offensive game planning in terms of formations, personnel, group, grouping, shift, motions. And you give the keys of the car to the quarterback and you say, hey, just get us to the best play. You know, whatever the defense does, you're going to react to the defensive structure and get us into the best play. It's a great way of doing it, too. It's way simpler, right? You're just putting the burden. You're basically telling your quarterback you're a co-offensive coordinator and you're going to do it on game day. Uh, it's an unbelievable way when you have a Peyton Manning, when you have one of these outliers that is so smart, that can handle so much information. And then you practice that way in practice. Like basically you don't have scripts. So I'll show you a script. This is a game script, but it's very similar to a practice script where you're just going over, okay, play one, play two, play three, play four, this formation, this defense, this personnel grouping, this shift, this movement, blah, 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 blah. Um, in that structure with Peyton, you're just saying, okay, we're going to get three by one defense, play four different coverages, Peyton for 12 plays, get us to the best play in three by one. We're going to get to two by two. We're going to get into a deuce set, a two tight end look, two by two. We're going to get into a deuce slot, two by, you know, one by three, two tight ends. Defense has two or three different ways they react. Peyton, you get us to the best plays. Everybody listen and we'll go carve them up. It's a great way to do it. What about if your quarterback gets hurt? All of a sudden, you're expecting your backup that has no reps to go do that. So most teams are morphing more into the coach-centric offense, using their time, their ability to create a plan, and then the quarterback jobs to go execute the plan. That's how it happens. Now, getting to your question um, about holding something, waiting for something. I don't think you wait for something. If it presents itself, if you get Kelsey matched up on the stiff, run-stopping mic, on a sale route with no outside help, you take it no matter what the down and distance is. However, you do run purpose plays that get in that same matchup, run the ball or throw a little perimeter screen to double check your work. Because no matter how smart you are in a plan, you want to double check your preparation. So a lot of these runs you're seeing are purpose runs in formations that Andy's on the side or somebody's on the side or I'm on the side going, okay, I got the look I want when I need it, right? So you run purpose plays to create the look for the explosive play that's highlighted in pink usually or red on your call sheet so, it's, so it stands out like, don't forget me. Don't forget me. I'll show you. I mean, I'll, I do it all the time. Like, don't forget me. See how those are in pink? That means... I don't want my eyes to miss that because if I vetted it on another play and I know I got the look I want, I can come back to that at any time and that's an explosive. 
So Mahomes has a couple plays. This will be the last thing on this. Uh, and that was really good. So thanks for sharing that, explaining it to us. But, you know, whether it's the little pop-up that he throws. I mean, he just he's just decided to do things. This isn't new now, but he's decided to kind of play the position in a different way. And I imagine teammates are in awe of it. What's the most in awe you have been of a teammate? <laughs> I mean, Ray... Well, two things. I'll give my favorite story. Walter Jones, left tackle, Hall of Fame left tackle for the Seahawks. We played Bruce Smith in Seattle. It was kind of a, it was a Seattle day, so it's not hot, but it wasn't cool yet. This is fall. Uh, probably, you know, it wasn't cold. But I don't care if it's freezing. You're still going to sweat, right? Well, we had those, I think they still have the same blue. They've added a different green, but or more of the green. But that blue is kind of a mid-royal blue. It's not a dark blue. So when you sweat, you would get these giant sweat stains, right? It would go to like a navy blue. And most guys, by warm-ups, royal blue would become navy blue. I mean, we're athletes. We're big. We sweat. We're gross. We're gnarly, right? Walter's 300, I don't know, 35 pounds, 6'5", bouncing bear, one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen in my life. He blocks Bruce Smith the entire day. We kill him. We go in the locker room after my locker's kind of nearby, and he goes to take off his pads. You need he needs people to help you take off your pads because you're locked into those suckers with all the straps. So he's got his arms up like this, and they're taking off his pads. And I'm like, bro, you didn't sweat. He had zero sweat on his pads, <laughs> on his undershirt, and he had just blocked Bruce Smith the whole day. Zero sweat out, zero pit stains, zero. And I'm sitting there. I was the backup. I'm sweating. I'm overweight. I'm sweating like it, I got the meat sweats on the sidelines just from helping Homer and call plays. I'm I'm navy blue. Bro is royal blue, not a sweat stain on his jersey. I'm like, you didn't swing. And he just kind of looks at me and goes, Well, it wasn't that hard. That's all he said. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're a freak. You're a freak. He's the greatest. I mean, Ray. Again, I'd give Ray. Ray, I was in awe every day of how big he was and how sudden he was. And you've heard me explain sudden. Other guys have tried to hijack this word, but it's sudden is twitchy and fast. Okay. So there's twitchy, there's cheetah fast, then there's sudden. Sudden is both. And very few guys have suddenness. Very few big guys have suddenness. Ray had suddenness. He was twitchy like a slot. Fast like a 6'5 receiver and at 245 pounds. Like he would do things in practice. Games, games you're really not in awe. You're so into the game itself. But in practice, he would do these things athletically that you were just like, holy crap. Like I could see a 5'10 and a half, 173 pound kid doing that. But a 6'2 and a half, 245 pound monster doing that, like, he would drop into zones and you'd try to layer the ball over him. And he would just, it was like him and Erlacher would get 11 feet in the air to take something out of the middle of the field. He would be running at an outside zone because you're trying, and we'd make it away from it. So you like show outside zone. So he's sprinting and you kind of naked back the other way. And usually it takes an inside backer three or four steps to kind of go, oh, stop, 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 go back the other way. He just put his foot in the ground and he's chasing the guy running the naked and he's covering me like, what? How did he do that? Like, I, I don't know how to explain it. So those would be the things, the two that stand out. I'm sure I saw other things. 
Okay, let's uh let's get back. Well, actually, let's go to the Ravens' decision on fourth down there. Our Harbaugh is is always going to play it that way. It was the right analytic play on that part of it. Um, but you know, you go up three against a Buffalo team that you've been beaten most of the day. What did you think of that decision on fourth down? I get frustrated, Ryan, with this analytics thing. Um, you know, my answer in life usually is both. Both sides are usually a little right and a little wrong. You know, we've talked politics before. I kind of that way in life. I think both is usually answer. We get these extremists and different issues, and that's usually wrong when you're extreme on one side or the other. I think football is very similar. Um, analytics are based in evidence. They're science-based. There's a lot of good to what analytics has done to football. I think they're used in a positive way at a lot of different levels, but to, to treat them as the gospel is wrong. When you go too far on one direction, it's wrong. The same way if a guy, some hillbilly coach goes, I ain't don't use those analytics, man. I've been doing coaching ball for 45 years. I'm just going with my gut. Well, your gut's going to be wrong if you go with that too. There's a balance. You need to get both into your life. <laughs> and that's what I think football, unfortunately, you get these guys that John and John I admire as much as anybody, but they go based on what the analytics say, and they've been proven to be wrong. That was a bad decision, right? You go up three in those conditions when you've been leading the game. Um, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. In fact, I text somebody. I said, was Tucker hurt? I'd missed a little bit of the first half. I said, was something wrong? Do they have no kickers on their rosters? Their long snapper hurt? Like I immediately thought it was so egregious. I originally thought, well, they must have long snapper broke his arm. Kickers got a groin. You know, they can't kick an extra point even. Um, I just can't for the life of me understand how that's a good decision. I want to talk Philly. Uh, you know, I, I know that too that, much for you. Was that too much for you on a simple go for it or kick field goal? I didn't have a problem with it. Cause I think the problem with the analytics debates become, we can't just, we can't pick and choose. We have yes, to either can. be all in. No, you don't. No, you don't. They would argue that you can't you can't date analytics. You, you have to be married to it. So that if you want it to play out over the course of the season the way you want it to play out, you have to make the decision based on what the chart's telling you all the time. Um, and again, I'm not saying that I agree with that necessarily all the time. Uh, I, I don't think you'd expect Lamar at this stage because I think Lamar's been so fucking good the first month of the season that you weren't expecting him to throw a pick in the end zone on that one. Uh, I thought Buffalo did a really good job of like containing him a little bit too. Um, but that's that's well, it's hard to topic. move. Well, it's hard to hard to contain him when it's hard to move. You know, what I mean, bad conditions yeah. are the are really the only thing I can see slowing down Lamar. And those were pretty bad conditions. I mean, the ball it was hard to control the ball off your hand. It was hard to redirect on the field. Um, you know, and that's part of football. That's part of late season football. Is you got to account for the bad conditions. I, I, the dating marrying thing, eh? I, I, I would I would go to war with a lot of guys on that one. That you can you can date them. You can they can be your first honey, like they can be your fave. You know? Yeah. I mean? Look, my my thing with some of the analytics is like, are you looking at a summary of of results based on who everyone is or who you are? Or is and is football <laughs> that's, a moment? That's fair. And is football a momentum gamer? Isn't it? Okay, so. Well, if, some people believe there's just no such thing as momentum, which I well, don't. The, I don't. But agree. those people are wrong. They haven't played it. They haven't been in it. They haven't seen a left guard who's getting his ass kicked all day long 
and he's sulking in the huddle and he's chasing demons away. And literally you're a therapist in the, in the huddle. Okay. You haven't dealt with the temperamental wide receiver who has his wife and his girlfriend in the stands together, three rows <laughs> apart. And he's worried about, is the girlfriend going to meet the wife? And that's right. literally what he's talking about in the huddle. So all you analytics geeks that think momentum isn't in the game, you haven't been in the fire. You haven't been in the fire and know that that is a realistic part of football. Guys, sometimes it's going well. And you have Johnny, who's a your sixth wide receiver on your roster who got pulled up to be the fifth off the practice squad. Now, because of two injuries, he's your third. All he's ever done is, is cover kicks, right? And he's your ex on one of these fourth and one plays that the analytics analytics tell you to go for it. You're like, that dude doesn't even know how to line up. He was he was on the sideline in training camp when we were running this play. He was on kickoff coverage. He was on scout kickoff return, actually, when we installed this play. So how's this play going to work, analytics guy? Like, that guy doesn't even know how to line up. And if I do throw him the ball, I don't know. He's, this depth's going to be right. This timing's going to be right. And then if he's going to catch it, does that play into your analytics? No, that's momentum. Conversely, you get a guy that's playing out over his skis. All of a sudden, you get a tight end who's really a blocking tight end. 41 for Tampa last night makes the back shoulder catch. That guy's no receiver. This guy catches a couple ball and he's rolling. All of a sudden, he's a legend in his own mind. It's like that seven handicapper that's two under par after six holes. And you're like, well, this guy's going to fall apart. No, he's not because he thinks he's a plus three right now. And he's hitting everything in the middle of the face and he's made everything over 14 feet. Why is he going to start missing now? Today, that dude is a plus two. In this round that we're playing, he's a plus two and that's how he's playing. So I'm going to compete against him as if he's a plus two, not a seven. All that is not accounted for in analytics. That's why you date him. You don't marry him because momentum is absolutely a massive part of football. I have to ask about Philly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just don't want to, I don't want to go any further because there are some things I agree with you on. And there's, there's just some that I don't, that's, I, but I, but I'm doing it from the stance of like, if I'm somebody that's all analytics, I'm only going like, well, you can't just pick and choose, but we've already covered it. We've already covered it. Okay. <laughs> Is Philly the best team in the NFL? No, they're playing the best. There's a big difference. They're leading the league in turnover margin. They have seven fourth down conversions. They're, uh, there's a couple other stats I saw this morning that are helping them. They're playing the highest level of winning football. I always do this. And I haven't been wrong very often. My time at ESPN, this is the one that helped me the most. Who's going to be there at the end? The team that's winning right now without dominating the turnover margin. That's not playing great on third down. That's not, it doesn't have seven fourth down conversions. That is banged up a little bit. Philly's healthy. They're playing their best football. They're leading the turnover margin. They're converting the ball at a high level. The red zone efficiencies. Oh, they have the most explosives in all football. And by the way, you start taking away explosives and all of a sudden now you got to march the ball more. So now it's easier said than done. Some would argue, and I'd accept this argument that well, why can't they keep doing that? They can. If they're the best team in football, they'll keep doing that. But what I see on paper is the best version of themselves right now. Is it sustainable? And I would say 
I think they're going to be there. I think they're going to be in the conversation. I really like Philly. I'm not knocking Philly. But you're playing your best football. What happens when you don't play your best football? What happens when you're nicked up a little bit? Because everybody's going to go through that in the NFL. Now, that's why I always say, okay, let's start looking ahead of who's going to be there at the end. Let's start looking at these teams that actually aren't playing their best and are still winning. Like if the Rams win tonight, they've played terrible on offense. They've had all kinds of issues, but they're winning. Like, okay, they're going to fix this at some point. Now they're going to be really dangerous. I think Tampa will be dangerous. I mean, I thought Chris Collinsworth did a great job pointing out how Tom hasn't had really any continuity offensively this season. And it was two and two, but they, what, they put 31 up last night and it come from behind. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I left that game going, okay, this is what I feel about Kansas City and for Tampa, who I think is good. I'm just unchanged on it. I am too. Yeah, I just went, all right. You know, I think they're 10 and six this year instead of 12 and four, whatever they were. Maybe they're 11 and five. But guess where they're going to be playing their best football? I mean, this guy is married to playing his best football after Thanksgiving. Like, that's all he thinks about, Tom Brady. He's going to get the rest of them to think about it. So they're going to be there at the end. They're going to clean some stuff up. So I always I never look at this first start of the season who's dominant. Well, I'm like, okay, they're really good. I really like that Philly have very few negative things to say about them, but they're playing their best football now. Do you want to play your best football now, or do you want to play your best football late? You want to play your best football late. Okay, what's what's more impressive about them? Who hurts has become, or just the defense? Hurt hurts. So I hurts is interesting, man. We you know we had him at Elite Eleven. We've known him forever. Yeah. Uh, very close to him throughout his college career. Uh, I was bullish on Jalen, but not to this level. I'd be lying to say that I thought he could make these types of improvements this quickly. I was bullish saying he will be accurate, not deadly accurate. He will be dynamic, but not the most dynamic. He had some, he had one particular mechanical flaw that is kind of a death sentence that he needed to fix. And usually it's three to five years to fix it. And he fixed it. Like it's gone. It's not showing up. What was it? The left leg lockout, like the left knee just snapping and his body tilting over it. I mean, I remember the lead 11, just talking to him like Jalen, you're amazing. I love you. Please don't take this bad. But if you don't fix this, you have no chance. Right. And he didn't fix it for a while at Alabama. It got a little bit better. A little bit better at Oklahoma. It's Quincy Avery has fixed this dude. Like Quincy Avery should be talked about in every conversation with Jalen Hurts as MVP. Um, I'll admit, like, look, I watched all the Jalen stuff. I thought it was never an arm strength thing ever. Nope. It was nope. never like guys sick athlete was not. But sometimes you're like, oh, because he consistent enough as a thrower. I thought he was a one read and go guy, and I thought it got really frustrating at Alabama more so than Oklahoma. And Quincy would talk him up. And again, I I love Quincy, but I always have a slight reservation when it's the guy's kid. Me, me too. Because <laughs> all of you are are have been, you know, perhaps I think it's great that you're so we positive are. about We're all the clients. Bullish. No, but no. There are times where I'm like, ah, and Quincy was talking him up, talking him up. I knew he knew that I was kind of indifferent on the whole thing. And you're right. Like Quincy deserves a ton of credit for it because I didn't think Jalen. I didn't think Jalen would be this. And I'll even admit, like against Minnesota, I'm like, holy shit. But then is, is it just because everybody's wide open? Because I still have some of these little doubts planted by, but if this is who he is, 
you know, then I have to look at Philly entirely differently, even though I would not put them atop of every other team in the league just because they're undefeated. Do, do you have three to five more minutes for me to give it kind of a bigger global thing on quarterbacks? Yeah, sure. Of course, right. always. So I do this show on in Chicago on Mondays, and I, I break down all fields tape. And I was getting frustrated because it, and it felt like I was getting taken down like the knee-jerk reaction first take track. And I finally said, okay, this is how we're going to talk about this every week. I said, there's really three buckets for quarterbacks, okay? There's your drop-back passer, whatever we call traditional pro-style quarterback bucket. There's your playmaking bucket. And then the bucket that doesn't get talked enough about is the stuff bucket. So you have stuff, pro-style quarterback, playmaker. Like You can put every quarterback in the world and say, okay, these are three buckets that you have to have some ability to do if you're going to play at a high level. So with Justin, I'll, I'll, train, I'll get back to Jalen, but with Justin, we're always talking about, listen, he's got the playmaking bucket. He's got the stuff bucket. I can tell you about the stuff. It, those buckets are full. The empty bucket is the drop back pass bucket. You need to consistently invest and put a little more water in that bucket every single week. And if that ever gets to three quarters full, he's going to be a, one of the premier players in the league because the stuff bucket is full and the playmaking bucket is full. Those are, those are flowing over, okay? Jalen is really interesting because his stuff bucket of all the guys we've dealt with in 13 years is him, Tua, Fields, Lawrence. Uh, those are the most full stuff buckets. They have all the right stuff. Everything you could ever want, if people want a better word for stuff, it's intangibles. Okay, so Jalen Hurts will work as hard or harder than anybody in football. He will take things out of his life that distract him from being the best he can be. So he'll say no to all the cravings of the world, right? All the things that could distract him. He'll say no to that. He'll do all the lonely work. He's one of the most dynamic leaders you'll ever see in your life. He's selfless. Everybody in the organization wants to play harder for him. He gets the better out. So the stuff bucket's amazing. The playmaking bucket's never gone away. Okay. Even when he was thrown to the fire early, Really, all you saw was the playmaking stuff, right? So that bucket's pretty darn full. What's making him elite right now is that you study him, and Orlowski does a really good job every week. You know, I, I get on Twitter and watch Orlowski's breakdowns. I think Kurt Warner does a great job on his breakdowns. Like, I'm studying these guys as they're studying his quarterback stuff, his dropback quarterback bucket. Man, that bucket's getting full on a consistent level. Like he's getting two, three deep in progressions. He's moving on stuff based on looks on the field. He's handling protections at the line of scrimmage. Like he's running the show from a drop back passer bucket. What else is there? There's only three buckets and two of them are overflowing. And now that one that everybody thought was going to be really empty is, is getting to the top. I don't know if this thing's slowing down with him. That help? Yeah, that was really good. There's only three buckets. <laughs> Before we let you go, uh, <laughs> are you a Kenny Pickett or Bailey Zappi guy? I'm a both. I was super bullish on Zappi um, in the pre-draft stuff. And he's real close, right? He's Western Kentucky. I'm right down the street. And we studied a ton of Western Kentucky offense this offseason. So we, uh, we saw every snap he played. I was really bullish on him. Pickett, I really liked. Um, Pickett's got some stuff to him now. 
Pickett's got some stuff. He showed a little bit in that press conference after the game. I have to well, he showed right it there. when he got blasted on that one, yes. and he immediately and started talking. going to the defensive yeah. lineman. He was like letting him know how good of a time he was having, which I thought was Ken, kind of funny. Kenny's got some stuff. And then I what wasn't talked enough about Kenny Pickett pre-draft, I liked him. I thought Kenny I, – I actually liked how the draft went. I, I did think he was the only first-round quarterback, and I thought he was a late first-rounder. So I actually thought he went kind of where he should have gone. Um, his deep ball is really gnarly. Now, everybody gave the kid that's at USC now all the credit, but Pickett ripped some dimes at Pitt last year on the deep ball, some graduate level stuff. Now, like early, high, leading a lot, like some really good deep ball stuff. Um, I I like Pickett. I like them both. I like all these. I, listen, I know you think I'm too bullish on all these young guys, but there's a lot of young guys I really like. <laughs> I just think they need to be developed right. I always revert back to, I don't think the NFL does a very good job of developing them. So let's see how they get developed. We, look, we agree on that. We've talked about it. Like you get yeah. drafted third, fourth round, you don't get any fucking snaps. And then yep. it's like, okay, we're just going to replace you with the next third or fourth rounder, yeah. hoping we actually hit it and got really lucky. Uh, what do you think the gap is between Bailey and Mac Jones? Not level of football. And I think it matters. I think it's going to take Bailey some time to get used to the level of football. Mac Jones played in the NFL when he was in college. There is something <laughs> to that. Right? There, there okay. is something to... There should. Yeah, I mean, you're there right. Is, listen, I suffered it. You see a lot of the, Carson Wentz. We've seen it happen with Carson Wentz. Um, Peyton Manning went into the NFL ready for the NFL because four years in the SEC. Like the SEC practice, it, it is truly, and guys, I'm not an SEC jock sniffer. I'm from the West Coast as a Pac-12 guy growing up, Pac-10 guy growing up. Now living it, it's different. It's semi-pro football. Okay, it's not college football. It's semi-pro football. They're better coach. There's more resources. There's better players. The schemes now are better. Like, they're just better. You play NFL football in the SEC, and that's why these guys aren't overwhelmed. I think it gives them a, a huge advantage coming in opposed to a small school guy. That's Trent Dilfer every other Monday here on the Ryan Russell podcast. We'll do some college maybe next time too. I would so, love that. Let's do that. All right, man. Thank you. All right. See you, brother. This episode is brought to you by Buy. It's Wonder Water. So I was wondering what made Buy so great. And it's actually pretty simple. Buy has antioxidants, electrolytes, and no artificial sweeteners. And the flavors are delicious. For me, it has to be by Zambia Bing Cherry. So for flavorful hydration, choose by. It's Wonder Water. Learn more about by and discover all of the exotic bold flavors at drinkby.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. It's time to ditch your old workout fit. Seriously, just let them go and try Viore clothing instead. Their active wear is unbelievable. Sometimes I wear it and I go, do I look too good? <laughs> I don't want to be at this peak level of awesomeness in their joggers every single day, this is going to be hard to maintain, but that's what the joggers do for you. Whether you're sort of business cash, whether you're just around the house, whether you're working out, whether you're getting on a plane and you're going to be in your seat for a long time, the joggers just give you a hug for the entire flight. It's soft. It's comfortable. You're never going to want to take them off Incredible versatility. You can wear it while taking part in different kinds of exercises, running, training, swimming, yoga, and more. Viore yoga class? That just makes sense. The Sunday jogger is the number one go-to. And of course, the core short out now. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet 
Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Ryan. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Today's life advice is presented by Modelo. Modelo knows it takes fight to be a full-time fan. There will always be good days and bad ones, but when you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Modelo celebrates those who treat being a fan like it's their full-time job. That's why it's the official beer sponsor of the college football playoff. Modelo, brewed for full-time fans, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Visit ordermodelo.com to shop delivery or pickup options for Modelo near you. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Life advice. Life advice rr at gmail.com. A lot of follow-ups to the pedantic guy. Um, I guess he mixed up IE and EG. Oh, so guys are fucking yeah, guys are fucking hammering him. That's the risk you run when you start correcting people. Yeah. But the problem is I wasn't sure that I even wanted to address it because then he'll probably come back with something. And like guys got really nasty about it. We're not going to read all those emails. Yeah, I but I think they were just so annoyed with this guy who we all agreed that was a massive overcorrection and don't like keep math riddles from your girlfriend. You're going to marry this person. You're like, oh, sorry. Sorry. Somebody needs to work on their division. Um, so nobody seemed to like that email or anyway. And then the IE, uh, EG confusion. Somebody said it's fifth grade Latin, which again, wouldn't that be kind of like, do you mean somebody who's taken Latin? <laughs> like, yeah, do you guys no know Latin, the op- No Latin in my public school. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Do, do you guys know the difference? I don't know that I know the difference. Latin. I've been trying to get rid of it for years. Go ahead. What? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't. Do you know the difference? I don't know that I know the difference. Uh, I thought they both meant example. Well, here we go. Um, now we're reading it. Here we go. For example. Yeah, I'm reading this too. Yeah, EG. And then IE stands for, he's giving us all the Latin breakdown in other words. Yeah, I could see that. I knew there was a difference. I didn't know. It. So there you go. Fuck everybody. You know, just guys are, guys are super mad. So, we'll uh, we'll keep it moving. Let's get back to our wheelhouse here. So the Latin. Do you have buddies this, that took Latin in high school? By the way, Actually, I took guy, it in junior high. The story, the guy of the story that I told about who was between colleges, he was a big Latin guy in high school. Took Latin. I was like, "What are you ever going to use that?" He's like, "It's just cool. Tell people you speak Latin." I'm like, "Honestly, it is kind of true. It is kind of cool if you speak Latin." That was his major. No, he was just like, everyone took, I took Spanish, you know, hey, Spanish is the next language. Everybody's going to speak. It's going to be useful. Some people took French. Some people took Italian, German. He's like, no, I'm going to zag. There was like one Latin class and he took Latin and tried to convince everybody that he was going to be cool because he took Latin. And maybe he is. It's definitely a conversation. It's a dead language. I don't know why people, I don't know. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, the reason you would take it when I took it when I was younger is that it was the foundation for all the romance languages that right. you were going to take, who you're going to decide to take later. Oh, so you're going to learn all the other languages by learning Latin first. <laughs> like, no yeah, idea. that's actually, that's actually the idea. Clearly, <laughs> not, you know, none of it stuck with me. Um, so how many yeah. languages do you speak, Ryan? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say I can speak another language at all. Yeah. Except Latin, partially Latin. <laughs> no, I, I, I took years of French, years of it. And so when I was over there, if I needed to say something, we've already covered this. I, I can, I can get a sentence out that I need to, unless I'm ripped off by, by. Wait, I thought, driver. I thought you took German too. Cause remember your story about the going to the German, you went, you met Jans, right? Jens. On your, on your, Jens, Jens, not yeah. Jens, Jens, on your German field trip. You don't, you, you didn't speak German? I picked up a few things, but. Guten Tag. <laughs> Stack and say spear. <laughs> he was training to be a javelin thrower. I wonder if he were, I, you know, let's think, I'm trying to think how old he would be now. <laughs> Jens, I forgot yeah. about that. We could check in on Jens, see if he's Stack and say spearing all over the place. It's probably a little old. His, his prime. What are your prime years for throwing a javelin? You guys Ooh. ever throw it? No, but I had a buddy that, that was a javelin guy. Didn't really go anywhere, but seems Was cool. he just into the scene or was he good at it? Like, did he just like having a bag of javelins and then like think, put it, I'm sure he put a headband on the whole deal, I think he right? had, I think he had just watched like Troy with uh, Brad Pitt was just like, this is, this is my thing. This is my calling. <laughs> I'm going to start throwing shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but was he on... The actual high school. Yeah, no, team. he threw. I mean, listen, it wasn't a good team. It was, you know, something, something. He's high just school, coming in Central seven Connecticut. Yeah, every time. Not, not killing it, but I mean, it's probably an awesome feeling to throw a javelin. You know. Yeah, we had we had some pretty shitty ones, and we used to chuck them around. I don't, you know, I think you kind of have to know what you're doing because there's this whole curl of the wrist thing, whatever. I don't know. Let's let's uh, let's stop talking. More about track this. and field later. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do that in our track and field pod coming out this Christmas. Okay, guys, 21 years old, 5'9", about 160, former member of the skinny fat gang, but have worked into the lean muscular category, improving slowly but surely. These stats are important to the story that follows. I've been working out playing sports at my local YMCA since first grade, but only began weightlifting about four days a week there in the last two years. Today, I was hitting legs and was three sets into leg extension when I got a call from my childhood friend's mom, which is rare and not normally a good sign. All right, so childhood's friend mom calls him. I took the call immediately and was relieved to know that it was just her asking me to house and dog sit for her next weekend. I said I'd be glad to, and we agreed to discuss details later. The call lasted one minute and 34 seconds. One thirty-four. Okay. At this moment, I was approached by an older man, maybe in his mid-70s, who stated in a raised voice, quit checking your email and get off the machine. <laughs> email. It's the best. <laughs> I remain calm because there are a lot of old men at this gym that don't have a ton of awareness and normally have a very twisted sense of gym etiquette. I remained calm and told him that I have just two sets left and he could work in with me if he liked. He simply walked away and I spent... Oh, and I went about my workout. About a minute and a half later during the rest of my set, I just uh, got done after this first encounter. A second man, maybe 55, started yelling at me extremely aggressively to get off the machine. <laughs> it was at this point I got defensive and told him, uh, told him to cool it back away so I could finish my last set. This only made him more furious as he proceeded to tower over me. 
I'm still sitting in the machine. So think like leg extension. I think that's what we're talking about here. And somebody's just in your business. I can't get up because he's blocking the side you enter and exit the machine. He gets less than an inch from my face and continues to yell. I pushed my hand against his chest and told him to back off, but he weighed about 250 pounds or more. And I knew I stood no chance if things got physical. So I only tried this once. His reaction to my attempt to push him away was to get closer and say, what are you going to do? Fucking punk. Huh? (laughs) What are you going to do about it, buddy? I simply sat there staring at him blankly and figured I just hold my ground and remain calm. If he hits me, he hits me. Thankfully, a 40 year old man who witnessed the whole altercation comes over to defuse the situation, just tells me in, in an, an apologetic tone to just leave the machine so they'll settle down. I happily oblige and walk toward the free weights as the two men keep chirping at me with fucking idiot <laughs> and punk, etc. I.E. Um, a YMCA employee comes over to ask for my explanation of the situation. I knew it was the Y. I was going to say this has to be a YMCA. Yeah, no, he already mentioned it was a Y. Uh, My bad, my bad. No, this has YMCA written all over it. Uh, I happily... Well, okay, all right, whatever. Uh, There wasn't much to be done since he hadn't, in fact, struck me. He then proceeded to say that we ask our patrons to keep their phone used to a minimum. And I said, all right and walked off. So wait, the YMCA person took the old people's side and said, we asked that you stay off your phone. Well, that's their About, base, right? Old people is the YMCA's base, really. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> like, we can't, we can't screw up. Very good call, Kyle. Like, we need their votes. <laughs> About five minutes later, I noticed both men had left the gym completely. I began asking bystanders around the gym if they had seen what had happened, and not a single person thought I was in the wrong. I asked one group of younger guys about uh, how long they thought I had been at the machine before I was approached, and they agreed it couldn't have been more than a couple of minutes. Am I the asshole in this situation? What should I have done differently? If I were bigger than I am, I definitely would have pushed the guy away and stood up, but that wasn't an option. And what is the gym etiquette uh, ruling on such a situation? Love to hear y'all's thoughts, especially Ryan's, if I'm on the wrong. Please rip into me. Thanks. Love the pod. By the way, he did do a screenshot of the phone call so that we could see how long he was on the phone because a lot of people have been known to just go, oh, man, it was only... Um, and I think he's right. He said Apple rounds up, so it says two minutes. Hmm. It says two minutes on this one. Uh, I think the first thing is just understanding that every man that lifts weights, there's some group, they, get, they meet once they turn 70, and they just say, hey, fuck the world, Tupac style, and that's just it. Like you don't, none of us know until you're a man that turns 70 that still works out. And then they just go, Hey, here's your towel, but never use it. Just <laughs> balls out whenever you can do weird shit around the blow dryers <laughs> and every machine is yours. No matter what, every machine is yours. There's no, you can stay on it as long as you want. If anybody even starts on another one, you have the right to tell them they're wrong, even though they definitely are. So that's what you kind of have to remember through all this. The 50-year-old guy, I don't know, maybe he has a relative who's 70 that's told him about this secret thing that happens uh, once older guys are still at the gym. It sounds like you weren't in the wrong. All I can go by is that maybe they caught it. They caught you taking the phone call and they just didn't like it. You know, the phone at the gym is kind of a shitty thing, but again, I've done it a couple times where I took the call and ran off somewhere else and sat down where I thought it was at least okay for me to 
Like sometimes you have to take the call. Other people will just keep working out. And that can be weird, but I guess at the same time, if they're still using the equipment, that's better than not using the equipment and going to take the phone call. So it sounds like this guy caught you in a way that he thought was much worse. And it sounds like this guy's already mad about a ton of shit already. So you just gave him an excuse to get mad about something and that like made his fucking day. Uh, if you thought he was going to mop you, I don't really blame you. Like it kind of sucks when another guy's confronting you and you're like, I think this guy would kill me. You know, like we all want to pretend we're capable of, of protecting ourselves. But, you know, sometimes you're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this one's going to go my way. Although just a hard face slap, I would have rooted for it. Just be like, if he's like putting his face an inch away from your face and being this much of a bully and he's 50, like what a fucking dick this human being is, especially if your story all checks out, which I tend to because you included the screen grab of the phone call. But an open hand slap would have just been, like it would have freaked him out. He, he might not have fought you. He might have been like, oh, my God, like this, you know, because just bullies aren't used to actually having people hit them back. Uh, but again, maybe you're better off not getting beat up at a YMCA because then you wouldn't be able to, you know, take care of this, this lady's dog in a week. So I love ornery old man stories. I love that it was in a YMCA, too. I mean, I don't <laughs> love that that it, this specifically happened to you. I just something about ornery old guys that just think we we need them just to spice things up. I mean, but as soon as we go like the checks, quit checking your emails, bud is like, oh, oh I love it. <laughs> but uh, that aside, I think this guy's a really thoughtful guy. The guy, the emailer, he he like he took us through the things and he willing to admit that he's wrong. And he even like checked with a couple people afterwards when he could have just let it go. You know, I, I, I like our emailer a lot. I will say maybe those guys like I've been I've been in a situation before, like, I don't know, used to do stuff at a laundromat before, just like things where there's communal things. And I'd be like, look at this fucking asshole. Just, and it's like, I'm wrong. Like, I'll think this whole thing for like five minutes and then I'll be like wrong about whatever's going on. And I make this whole story in my head about how this guy's got no regard, you know, no consideration for others. And it's just like, oh, wait a second. I'm glad, I'm glad I never act on any of these things because, you know, you're wrong. It's like a coin flip, whether you're right about what's going on with a complete stranger or not. So uh, this is a guy who just, you know, acts on those things. So I think... I think, you know, I could see why he maybe wanted that to use that machine for like two minutes before you took the call. And now it's been four minutes and he doesn't feel like you're using it properly. And he doesn't know this, this situation or anything. So I think, I mean, I have the thoughts of this ordinary old man often. I don't ever act on them really. But, um, you know, I think it's just we could I could see how he got there. And um, it's just you're definitely not wrong. I'm sure, you could have done something better. But um, I don't know. Just you got a world has to watch out for ordinary old guys. I'm kind of with Kyle on this one because the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, the, like the Brady press conference that just happened where people were asking him all these questions. He's just like, man, I'm 45 years old. Like, I just got a lot of shit going on. Like old dudes, like you just don't like some of those guys are just kind of miserable. And like the gym is their one thing that they have. They're probably alone. Maybe they're not without their wife and kids. It's their Zen time. And not that you like really majorly inconvenience him, but it does seem like things can easily get blown out of proportion. My other thought was, is this like a steroid, like roid raid situation from like a 50 year old guy? Like that seems a little aggro to like get in somebody's face for, you know, 90 seconds of extra phone activity. Um, but the final thing would be, is there, I, I wonder, like, obviously there's two guys that came up to him, two guys, two separate guys. Do they know each other? It didn't seem like they knew each other. They're different age groups. Maybe they chat in the background. Who knows? Is this 
is this like a reoccurring thing? Have you done something else before that that like triggered these two guys to really go at you this one time? Otherwise, I mean, who knows? Like maybe it's just a bad day. Both guys are pissed off and they're just in their own feelings and their lives are miserable. It is what it is. But it just seems very odd that like one 90 second phone call would trigger two separate guys to go at you, including one guy getting in your face. Maybe I'm wrong, but like just maybe you're like that guy at the gym that maybe is looking at his phone a little bit too much and people at the gym have taken notice. Well, he also said, I left it out. He said he likes to work out in peacock wings. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Uh, no, my guess is that the 50 and the 70-year-old guy know each other. And the 70-year-old guy just immediately like, Kyle, you made a great point. Like, how often do we all do something where we pretend we know every angle of it? And you're like, I can't believe this person's doing this. And then you're like, actually... You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're doing. And you're like, man, I would have felt like an idiot Thank if I God called and kept like, that to myself. Right. Yeah. Like I had this thing where everybody was cutting everybody. And I was kind of like, what the fuck is going on at this place? And I was like trying to take take stock of like what was happening. And then as I got to the counter, I was like, what the fuck is the deal with this? And she's like, oh, there's a separate membership and this is how it works. And you're like, they're basically, it's, it's kind of like clear, but for something else. And you don't know it if you haven't done it before. So you would think, wait, I'm just getting worked by all of these other people. And in fact, no, no, you are supposed to get work because they have paid for a different thing than you did. And like, you're just wrong. And again, it was, it was a while ago. And I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. yeah okay. This makes all the sense of the world. So you're right. I mean, I think Saruti gets a good point, but it's my guess is that these two guys are just old dudes at a YMCA that act like it's their fucking place, that they own the place, and you got on the phone, and the guy was already pre-mad about a bunch of other things in his own life, and there's been other people that have been on the phone too long in the gym, and this dude was like, next young guy, next whippersnapper that gets on his cellular device, I'm going to let him have the what for, for checking his fucking hotmail. <laughs> Sheriff of the YMCA. And, <laughs> right, and so... That's what happened. This guy was already mad about 10 versions of you already. And then the 50-year-old guy's like, fucking right. This guy sucks. Email checker. And I think, <laughs> you know, shit happens, man. Shit happens. I, I one time went to a new gym where I grabbed the wrong dumbbell sizes and just started flat benching them. And at that point, I kind of knew what I was doing a little bit. But I, I just was, I was so thrown off by the new gym and the, the way they worked out everything. And some guy was like, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, what? He's like, you have wrong dumbbells. And then it was kind of like, you know, you got to know what you're doing if you're going to be in here. And I was like, okay, <laughs> fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay, Joe Weeder. <laughs> like, you know, I should have just said, uh, muscle confusion. Ever heard of it? <laughs> Okay. I don't know how to take advice from Smalls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, granted, I did fuck up, but it was like it didn't need to be escalated to like. Yeah, but that sucks. Like, let people fuck up on their own. Okay. Like, we don't need everyone correcting it. This goes back to the, the email from last week. Just leave people alone. They want to be wrong. Let them be wrong. Mind your I just business. Don't, yeah. If he was trying to help, Maybe, nah. But it was it was definitely a <laughs> trying to make. And I was like, I already felt stupid enough. I grabbed like a forty five and fifty. It wasn't like I had a ten and an eighty. I was like, what the fuck's going on? It was like, you know, 
just, you know, if you're going to be here, uh, you're like, what? We have a certain standard that we like what? to uphold. Yeah. What? What, what do I, why don't you write a list down and I'll grab it before I leave here today. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, your part of it is like, you feel stupid because then you get called out for it. And again, it wasn't like it was, I don't know, my first day I would have been like, ah, all right. But I was like, why, why did I do that? Shit. I don't know. Sometimes people do dumb shit. Okay. Um, new roommate is a former pro athlete. 25, 5, 10, 180. I find myself in a bit of a unique predicament. My roommate recently got his big break, which means he'll be away on set shooting for several months. So his current roommate um, is now be working on a movie, I guess, TV cool. show. In lieu of his departure, an acquaintance of ours has filled his spot in the apartment. Two bedroom, two bath. Nice. Two bath is huge. Yeah, but I'm just super confused. I love that Kyle immediately was on kind of the layout. It's a great call. So this guy has a roommate who's an actor, and so then an acquaintance of the emailer and the actor said, hey, I know someone who can sublet the room. Um, this new roommate is a former athlete everyone listening to the show would know. What? At first, I was confused as to why he would want to live in my apartment. As am I. I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's All right, we're going to leave it. We're going to leave it uh, a you little know more the vague. They, How he, about a sport? He, he dropped the name. Can we get a league? No, no. He doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, oh, that's he nice. doesn't ever put it in here. Okay. He's in his 40s. And I live in a semi-decent apartment building with average rent where most people in the building are subsidized. It's not a place anyone would expect this man to be living, considering it's not up for debate. He has made over tens of millions of dollars in his career. It is important to note, he did go through um, a divorce, but something just doesn't add up. He doesn't have a car. He's always asking to use mine. He pays <laughs> rent late. Damn. <laughs> but I know he has money. He buys new expensive shit all the time. The overall vibe of the living situation is off. It's just fucking weird, man. That's the only way I can describe it. Luckily, he's only here every month or so because he has a job that forces him to travel. Uh, so he does have a flow of income. While living with him when he is around, I've come to fucking hate it. He's messy, arrogant, just horrible vibes all around. Don't get me started. Um, fuck. This is this is just a little too revealing. Uh, don't get me started on his other stuff uh, or all of his ideas. There's endless ideas for podcasts. Now, I know all this is probably a product of being a former athlete. I'm well aware. I'm also well aware I could just tell my friend, hey, man, the guy's not working out. He's got to go. Find someone to fill in a spot. It could be over like that. But it'd be hard to find someone to pay $400 more than the room is actually supposed to pay. And uh, where is the fun in that? Oh, so he's what? upcharging this guy, right? That's what he's saying. The premium is the extra 400 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I'm writing in because I'm wondering if you guys have any advice on how to subtly fuck with this guy. Small pranks, if you may. Good old psychological warfare. Not necessarily pranks, but I want to fuck with this guy. Get his head. Putting glue in his shampoo would be too obvious. I need ideas that can't be obvious enough that I did it, but still a slight hint in the air that something may be off. I'll give you an example. 
I had a friend who would move people's things around the house. If your phone was on the table, he'd move it to the counter when you weren't around and so on and so on. It happens enough that it drives you crazy and you end up thinking you're crazy. Ideas of that nature are greatly appreciated. We're going to get in some hijinks. <laughs> yeah. <it> if, <laughs> well said, Kyle. <laughs> what kind of, I haven't had a roommate since I was 21, so I don't. Are we? Are we sure it's a good idea to fuck with this guy? I don't think it is. I definitely <laughs> I don't think gonna, it is. I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to partake in this. <laughs> you know, I, you I, don't want the possibility of getting your ass beat in your own house. By a former professional athlete who, you know, has clearly some shady stuff going on. Yeah, he never puts the email. Uh, he never puts the name in there. Which is, he, he had a couple things in there that make me think I could narrow it down. The but, way he described him. Like what I, I'm guessing I could be totally wrong, but like former baseball player. Why do you think former baseball players see now this is going in a direction that we don't know. So maybe a couple hot foots, some gum on the old cap, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, somebody keeps putting gum on my cap. Oh, man, I'm going to have to move out. Uh, let's see. I don't know. I think it, it it sounds a lot like somebody who's always kind of gotten their way. Like, I'll tell you, even with working with some of the guys that weren't even the best pro athletes, but were pro athletes, every now and then there was this kind of little reminder of like, I expect somebody to take care of this for me. Do you think that's fair, Saruti? Yeah. And I could even, I could even like the person, but I'd be like, oh, these are these little moments, these little reminders where you're expecting just more people around to fucking help you because that's yeah. the way it's been your whole life. And you know, I don't know. At some point for me, I would be like, I don't want to have to rely on people. Um, I don't know. It sounds like none of us want to actually tell this guy to start doing pranks with these guys. If you could to tolerate bad smells, start cooking fish, leaving stuff in the sink when you know he's going to be around for a couple of days, maybe. I mean, maybe it's just to the point where it's like, all right, this guy just sucks. It's like, it would suck for you. But if you don't want to just be like, tell the one guy, be like, hey, also, isn't this guy in a movie shoot? How long does it take to shoot a movie? Is this like Top Gun we're talking about here? Is this going to take 10 years? Is this Avatar? Or are we, is this guy going to be home in two months? Avatar is a lot of CGI, so I would imagine that's over quicker. Mm. Maybe. I mean, I think the last one took a while. <laughs> I don't know. All I mean is like, you could, you could, you, you, could I, you could, if you could tolerate being like living in filth for a little bit, maybe he could just be like, you want to make him think you suck, but not intentionally. It's just like, this guy can't help himself. He's a fucking slob. He stinks. Reverse He's dirty. Suck. Yeah, reverse suck. But I don't, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't like do stuff to his toothbrush and, uh, you know, <laughs> his shampoo and like, you know. I'd say have parties, but it sounds like this guy would be fired up. Life of the party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just start yeah, inviting yeah. people over all the time and they'd be like, hey, you know, we gotta, we gotta get your crew over here again. So I don't think that, I think that would backfire. I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of of the mindset that like, it's, you just want your roommate to move out. I would tell the acquaintance who set this thing up, say, hey, just make up a huge lie. Say something like you're dating somebody isn't healthy or something. I don't know. Seriously, just go to the acquaintance and go, you've got to get this person the fuck out of here. Not me. But you're also like, how bad is it, man? Because you said he's almost never around. You you know, when somebody has to leave for a little while or or maybe even move out, as a guy who like doesn't have like can't cover a whole place by himself, you you probably feel like, oh, shit. So then that's got solved. And it sounds like you're making four hundred dollars 
a month extra, which, you know, sounds like you could probably use. So like, how bad is this? Really think about it. Like, is this going to run its course soon? And it's like, you could just fucking deal with it is the other thing. That's what I would do. Probably. Probably. Extra $400 a month. It's also just a fascinating situation because his one roommate is like potentially this up and coming actor and his, the guy that they just like mutually potentially know to fill in is some ex athlete who has made tens of millions. Like who we is, all know like, where is this? <laughs> who is this guy? Like I, yeah, we all, exactly. I don't, it's, it's just so strange to me. I and don't they're know. all in a subsidized building or something like that. This gets yeah. weirder and weirder. I, it, it, I feel like you're like, is it possible you're being pranked? Like, that's not, not, are we being pranked? Like, none of this makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, right. No, it did. It did. <laughs> did dawn on me that this is a fake email, um, but it was so unique that I figured, hell, we'll give it a chance. But what? we're not really even answering it because I just I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, you get a piss in your shampoo, bro. No, we'll get out of there in six weeks. Like it just, you know, he's probably not going to know. One, one of the stuff. trendy ones that I like, I've, have you, I've seen this, I think, on TikTok. It's like people will just change all the photos in people's houses to other things and see how long it takes them to actually notice it. But at some point he's going to like you. I don't think you want to like do something that he's going to notice, right? Because then like you could, then you're going to start shit and you're going to create more problems for yourself. Like you brought up the fish thing, Kyle, too. That, that but that fucks you over too. You don't want to ruin your own existence. So I, I don't know. Like at some point, if you're, if you're changing out and putting shaving cream in his toothpaste, like he's going to know it was you and he's going to be pissed off. That's going to create more problems for you. So I just, you're making your, your existence even more miserable. Start smoking cigarettes at the house. See what happens. That's what, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> Join a band. Start practicing in the living room. Yeah. Right. Like, what is it? Be like, it's 12 piece percussion. That's it. It's all interpretive percussion. We do no guitarists. <laughs> no Just melodies. all percussion all the time. And I smoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a gun. All right. Um, not sure that was one of the best ones we've ever done, but I don't know. I don't know what to do with that one. I mean, all of us could sit here and come up with a million things to do that would suck for the other guy, but. I don't know. I think there just comes an age where you just be like, why don't you just fucking talk to somebody and be like, get this guy out of here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Make it a fucking home alone or, trap just to get this guy out of here. Right. <laughs> I know. I know. So sorry if that was disappointing. Today's life advice was presented by Modelo. The fighting spirit means never giving up. And that's why Modelo is brewed for full-time fans. The ones willing to travel the games and who thrive under pressure. Modelo Especial is a Chris Pilsner-style lager that set the standard for authentic Mexican beer and for true full-time fans. And it's now the official beer sponsor of the college football playoff. Modelo, brewed for full-time fans, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Visit ordermodelo.com to shop, delivery, or pickup options for Modelo near you. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Thank you for submitting questions this week. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday. Thanks to Saruti. Thanks to Kyle. Ryan Russell, the podcast for your Spotify. Spotify.